Welcome back to another episode of Agency Hackers. I'm Lance Johnson, the host, and I'm here with Jorge Jorjevic from, from Forga.io. He is the CEO and one of the many partners. This is probably the most partner-heavy agency I've ever run into, but it's got a neat story. So, Jorge, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lance, for having me. It's a real pleasure. Yeah, it was uh, really neat because I feel like we've gotten to interview so many international folks and see the the power of globalization. It seems like that even brought you over here. You were in the United States for the summer on a little visit or something like that. It was a spring visit for uh, five weeks. I spent uh, a, a nice amount of time uh, in Chicago, in Alabama, Louisiana, a bit more on the south of the United States, and then I even had a chance to uh, visit D.C. It was all part of a, a exchange program uh, funded by the U.S. Uh, U.S. Department of State. So I was just one of the 40 uh, uh, young entrepreneurs from Europe that came for this cultural exchange. It was a great nice. experience. Nice. Well, if the Serbian Department of State's like, we need to get some American podcast hosts over there, you just let me know. I will be there. I'll I'll contact my uh, my guys at the government. <laughs> I'll let them know if you're interested. So when you're not globe trotting, um, what does Forga do? What does your agency do? So we um, we started off um, as a very typical outsourcing agency in southeastern Europe. You know, we uh, we thought that. Yeah, we, we are cheaper than the rest. We can provide the same quality as U.S. agencies can. And we started off what we knew how to do best, and that was web development. Okay. So we were predominantly building uh, WordPress websites, um, tried to play a little bit with some other technologies, but predominantly saw that most of the clients uh, were actually familiar with WordPress. So we wanted to give them what they expected and uh, website yeah. that they, they, they can run themselves. Um, and what is really interesting with us is that we, the, the very formation of our company uh, was accidental. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, we were... Um, as I told you, um, I know maybe you, you wanted to ask me this, uh, uh, but I, I want to start with that story. Uh, we, we were a group of five friends uh, that just had an opportunity to develop a single website. And okay. um, each one of us had some previous experience in working with different agencies and we we're not very happy how that was going. So we came together, uh, one developer, one copywriter, one designer, one business developer and one project manager. And we just gathered ourselves around this one project, uh, made some money off of it. It was amazing opportunity uh, for us. Uh, we figured out, hey, let's start doing this more often. And that's how we, that's how we actually started. Uh, the good thing was that the first client was so impressed, he just referred other clients to us. Those nice. other clients referred more people. So we grew completely organically without a single outreach, single sales effort, single marketing campaign. If you go check out our social media pages, they're still pretty. I'm, I'm embarrassed to, to talk about them because we have zero activity there and we're just 
referral on referral on referral. And I guess that is, uh, that is something you can only get if you work really uh, with your heart and soul and you put all mm. the knowledge and skills you have into, into your work. Yeah, that makes sense. Out of those roles you named, what was your role? Well, I was always a project manager. Okay. Um, starting uh, early on as a as a student, I was organizing student conferences. So, I actually learned how to manage people and processes and projects um, by organizing uh, European Union simulations. <laughs> I, I come from a political science background. It's a complete. Uh, uh, completely different from what we actually do today. And a lot of my old uh, former colleagues from the uni uh, are, are trying to get their head around how I ended up in <laughs> IT. That's uh, totally so, Yeah, yeah uh, so I, I was always a good project manager, but um, with a very geeky side to me. Ever since I was a, a little kid, uh, I remember my dad bought me my uh, first PC uh, in 98 for Serbia, that was pretty advanced um, because I remember I was the only kid with a computer in my class. Wow. Yeah. I was, I guess, like first grade of elementary school. Um, and, you know, I was that, I think the last generation that uh, could completely deassemble and assemble back a computer. And, yeah. you know, nowadays kids don't even cannot even like take out battery out of their phone <laughs> so, yeah. you know I, I can't even name the number of uh motherboards that i burned throughout the whole learning <laughs> process but yeah there was always this geek in me that was driving me towards the tech side and that's i finally so ended up where i belong that's really funny i i feel like i had the opposite situation where i studied engineering in university and chemical engineering and like if there's this this um, test that you can do to see if you're talking to an introverted engineer, engineer or an extroverted engineer. And basically, you know when they're talking to you because an introverted engineer looks at his shoes and an extroverted engineer looks at your shoes when he's talking to you. <laughs> and it, and it, was, it was like, people are like, you're studying engineering? Like, you seem to like people. I was like, well, yeah, I do like people. And, and I had a I started doing copywriting to pay for engineering school, which didn't make any sense to a lot of people. They're like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> math? I thought marketing was fun for statistical reasons. And I imagine political science, there's a real um, governance and behavioral component that comes in to exactly. any kind exactly. of project. A lot, like of people, a lot of people ask me, do you regret anything? You know, Do you regret that you didn't um, study engineering or IT? I say no. I mean, this road brought me to where I am now, and I'm very happy how I ended up. So mm -hmm. um, I think that develop, personal development is something that is like lifelong learning. Uh, it's something that just never stops. You yeah. continue to learn and adapt and uh, figure things out along the way. Uh, and I think what is actually really good is for people like you and me, people that studied something else and then completely shifted their career later on, we're the outsiders in the industry. We are the ones yeah. that are asking the why questions all the time. And I think sometimes it's good to have an outsider. And uh, I remember when I was uh, working with my uh, with my development team and I'm 
still, even though I'm a CEO, I'm still involved in some of our uh, high uh, stake projects. And I'm the one that is writing all the documentation and I'm the one asking questions. Why can't we do this in this way? And they were like, okay, maybe we can do it in that way. So sometimes it's very good to have the outside perspective. And I think that people shouldn't be afraid to um, try working on something else if they don't feel they're at the place where they belong. Yeah, it's a great point. It is really interesting to see the kinds of problems that fit us. Right, where it's it's really important to get. This has been a theme that's come up a lot in the agency. Kind of, we were talking before the show about having five partners. Right? It's not a very normal thing, and there are a lot of rules. Like people will say, "Ah, you can't have more than two partners," and actually, partners aren't good, and you shouldn't have partners at all. And the interesting thing that I found is that it's not so much like there's one perfect system. There are a lot of systems that can work. You just have to find the one that fits you well and be willing to pay whatever price that system costs. You probably have to be a lot more collaborative than a single owner because you, uh, I imagine the equity splits are all, uh, are they all even equity splits or? Yeah. 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 So then you've got, you know, you've got five people with 20%. So you need three people to make a decision and that's a lot of people when you try to make some decisions. (laughs) I know. And I, I, I think that, um, yes, we had those comments. A lot of people, uh, even my uh, close friends that are also in, in, in similar running similar businesses, when, when I was telling them about my company, they were telling me, you're crazy. Like, that will never work. And here we are five <laughs> years later, still yeah. going strong, still growing, um, reaching new altitudes. And I think here it's just really important how when you, you find that founder founder fit uh, yeah with with your partners if you guys are working well if you of course you need to set some boundaries you need to set some rules you need um extreme extreme transparency extreme openness there's there, there should be unlimited trust uh so what we have now is the great situation that most of the partners are very focused in their area of work and they have complete trust in me as the CEO to make a lot of smaller business decisions. Uh, and they will always agree with that because they know it's your expertise. I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna, uh, uh, be, I'm, I'm not gonna take any, any say in this because I don't know that thing very well. And this is how we kind of split the duties and, uh, the decisions are being made by the most, competent person for that kind of decision. If some if something is regarding tech, our CTO is going to to make the decision and I will just follow his lead. So this is the operating model that we uh, we found and it works well for us. We're happy. We're very we still really enjoy working together and it's it's amazing. It's kind of like an employee owned technocratic agency or something where you like experts that make subdomain decisions yeah that, that actually i never looked at it that way but now uh, you, you um, tickled my mind a little bit um, like <laughs> from the political science perspective that's actually what we are because uh, also like the employees that we have we really try to have this egalitarian system where uh we really want to uh, hear everyone's opinion our first goal is to have everyone in the company 
uh, happy with what they're doing, happy with the compensation that are get that are getting, happy with the work they're doing, um, and after all, I mean, this is our company. We found that it because we didn't want to work anywhere else. We didn't want to work yeah. for someone else. We wanted to set our own rules, and we found a system that works for us. We might not be as maybe as fast growing because there's five of us, and you know, like profit shares are as you said divided in five uh, five yeah. ways, but we are, are building something that will last much longer in our view. And so far, I think we're doing a, a good job in in going in that, into that direction. Two follow-up questions around the structure, because I think this is a relevant topic that doesn't get talked about that often. I'm really glad that you have five partners because you're like the extreme example of this did you all at the beginning build in buyout clauses or is it something that is just handled case by case let's say a partner just wants to retire right it's 30 years from now and they say i'm i'm done but george is like i'm not really done uh do you all have did you have that at the beginning for your partnership structure uh, well, we tried to define as many cases as possible. I'm pretty sure we didn't cover all of them, but <laughs> overall, every time we had an issue, we would sit together and, and find the best possible solution. So we, every time we have a, a meeting, um, like our, our board meeting, we just leave our egos outside of the room and try to get to get to the decision that is, that will be the best for the company so uh once you know like you have five individuals once they sit together they are just thinking about the best interest for for the thing that we're building together and that makes total uh, sense yeah and i mean it might not look or sound perfect and i guess i know that uh especially like uh, vc people are probably laughing right now listening to this Especially, I know what uh, uh, VC uh, uh, VCs are looking for, not just in agencies, but any kind of company. And this kind of a structure is very uh, unusual. Uh, but so far, it's working for us. I don't want to say uh, I will definitely not recommend it to to anyone else trying because I know it's going to be very hard with other people. And we've known each other from before. We knew how the other people our thinking we knew what to expect so we came together into this because we know what we were getting into and if you are looking for five partners that you never met before it's going to be a disaster so yeah, i guess we had a free trial with this one project that uh that uh, gathered us together you know that was a free trial yeah, it, yeah. It, it worked well and let's say Let's let's uh, click that subscribe button and start a company. <laughs> yeah, that's neat. So you mentioned that you do you started out doing standard web development, a lot of WordPress websites. What do you all do now? Well, we continue working on on that core, which is web development. Uh, however, our, our development team has grew significantly now, and uh, we, um, especially in the last uh, couple of months, we've been uh, playing a lot with the headless technology. Yeah. Especially in the uh, domain of uh, headless e-commerce shops. So now we're specializing predominantly for mm. e-commerce shops. Um, headless e-commerce is something that 
we know for a fact a lot of agencies are not getting into it because it's complex. We managed yeah. to have our first three stores online right now. Uh, we managed to find a model uh, that is working well for both us and our clients. And uh, we really invested a lot of time and energy in building a workflow for delivering these kinds of projects up to the point that for now for us, it doesn't pay off to build a WordPress e-commerce website uh, yeah. because our workflow makes us so much faster and we have all the templates ready, all the layouts prepared. We have the workflow, we have the procedures, processes. For us, it's much easier to deliver a headless e-commerce store, which has outstanding performances, much better than just the regular uh, regular WordPress WooCommerce uh, e-commerce store. And it's just working. I mean, this is something that, that uh, I think we are um, now perfecting. And apart from the development side, our, our company just in 2022 uh, alone, we introduced marketing. We um, hired a marketing team um, that is providing uh, PPC, uh, organic posting. Uh, we are still experimenting with SEO, uh, but a lot of uh, we have a, a few clients now that that have uh, uh, we are supporting fully with the. Uh, with our marketing uh, solutions and now are looking to expand that offering uh, quite a bit. And the third thing that we started working on this year uh, was um, providing infrastructure for the websites that we uh, develop, and that is the hosting solutions. Yeah. Uh, we have a range of hosting solutions um, that are on-premise. We have some cloud hosting solutions that we can use as well. Uh, we have a domain registration. So I know we, we kind of spread out a lot, uh, but we have um, established a partnership with one large uh, uh, large group, uh, global, uh, global group that has a large number of clients. So we are now working with this huge group of clients and providing a lot of services to them internally, which for us is uh, a great opportunity we can practice uh, new technology we can uh, we can adapt, try, get a lot of feedback. And this is how we actually started growing a lot uh, in the last year, providing a lot of different services, but at the same time still keeping this kind of job separation, uh, the energy, the, the company culture. We grew this year alone from five to 15 people. Oh, wow. And, yeah, by the end of 2022, we will have 15. So it's a very huge uh, jump in, in uh, the number of people. But uh, so far, I couldn't be happier how uh, the new guys are uh, really enjoying. And, you know, us being from, uh, some of us uh, being from uh, agencies, working with the old traditional old school agencies, local agencies here in Serbia, uh, we actually know a lot of high quality talent that is being wasted away. You know, like mm. uh, people that could design amazing websites they have that do that as freelancing, like UX design are sitting in some agency right now designing uh, boring billboards for some cookies. You know, it's, yeah. uh, 
uh, a lot of people are actually waiting for an opportunity to join a company such as ours. So we have that kind of advantage on the market, on the local market as well, to uh, get to the best talent available. That's neat. Well, one quick question to go back on your services. What is headless e-commerce? So headless e-commerce is um, a concept where actually the front end and the back end are completely separated. So okay. uh, how we do it, there's numerous ways of, of uh, how you can uh, how you can provide that kind of a um, service, but we actually like to stick with uh, WooCommerce WordPress backend because our customers are mostly used to run their uh, uh, e-commerce shops on WooCommerce. So we stick with that. We have the backend on one server and that WooCommerce is completely stripped of all unnecessary things, which makes it lightning fast. It's mm. just like the, the skeleton of WooCommerce. And then we have a separate uh, front end, which is hosted on another server. They're communicating uh, through oh, APIs. Yep. And this allows us to have, let's say, one backend, one e-commerce store uh, that has 20 different front ends. It, you can oh. just imagine the, um, the possibilities for a, ABC testing. You can imagine possibilities for uh, huge e-commerce systems that want to try out different markets. They want to try different brandings. They, they want to try different uh, layouts of their uh, front end. So it's something that can really, really uh, help, especially I think for e-commerce is an incredible opportunity to, uh, to have this option, to have unlimited number of uh, front ends that you can just change, adapt, measure which one is doing the best at the end, control everything from one place. Yeah. Um, and on the other side, just because we separated the back end from the front end, and you know, WordPress is um, it's a good piece of software that uh, a very good CMS that a lot of people are using. I guess I read 80% of the internet, 60, 70 to 80%. Uh, of the internet is run on uh, WordPress still, but it is kind of slow. It is kind of clunky. If you yeah. install a lot of plugins, it can really, really uh, uh, break your performance, which is very bad for SEO. And <laughs> yeah. once we separate that, and once you have a clean static website on the front end, so what we have is a static website. It loads lightning fast. It's super quick. It's just um, amazing for SEO. And whenever you have a change on the back end, it will just shoot an API call and change it instantaneously on the on the front front end. So that's really interesting. Every time you have just a static page on the front, it loads much much faster. And it's that also makes security. Sense. It has security benefits. If you have um, this front end which is on a separate server, if you have a malicious person trying to hack your website they will not be able to find where the backend is that makes total sense thanks for the rundown because i'd heard the term thrown around but i realized i'd never had a chance to ask so imagine there's other listeners that had the same question moving on to you all have had a lot of growth and you have probably had a lot of things change what's the biggest problem you're working on solving right now 
uh, internal processes, <laughs> I would say, you know, like everything, documenting everything, um, trying to, um, you know, like a lot of our work is repetitive, you know, building one e-commerce after another, there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of things yeah. that can uh, be just reused, repurposed, and you don't have to build them from scratch. And we've been through a period where we did things from scratch because we wanted to provide this premium service to every client. But at the end, if you look on the technical side, the client does not really care. They, they care about the interface. They care about the features. And um, like building these types of workflows, processes, documenting everything, having an internal knowledge database, um, having an internal uh, sort of a Wikipedia for all the clients. And just like when, when you have an agency, we, we grew into a very complex agency. Now, as I mentioned, we do web development, we have hosting, we have domain registration, we have marketing. Uh, on top of everything, we also provide uh, uh, maintenance services. You can imagine the, the flow of information that we have every day. And yeah. at one moment, we were completely lost. I mean, yeah, we were lost in a good way that there was so much business and there was so much things going on we couldn't like catch and things were starting to slip through our fingers but now we brought in some people who have a lot of experience uh in, in larger systems that are helping us set these rules procedures workflows for literally for every service that we do here is a checklist of things that you have to do uh, it also helps us a lot with scaling in terms that if we get a project and our team is completely fully booked, we can easily hire an external. We can outsource a certain project to another party because we have, uh, through our process, we have a strict checklist, like quality standards that they have to follow. And that freelancer or an outsourcing agency will have the best brief they've ever received in their life. Mm -hmm. They will know what they need to follow. Uh, in that way, it helps us. Like we can really like get on more projects than we can deliver deliver in house. Yeah. Because if we just use these procedures with our uh, with our partners, external partners, we we can uh, really like that. We we never had the situation where you know like usually those types of um, uh, jobs. And I know a lot of agencies do a lot of outsourcing as well when when they're overloaded. Um, it can go wrong in so many ways if you don't have Definitely. this right structure, how how things should be done and what the client expectations are. So um, definitely I'm all in this. Like in the last couple of months, I'm obsessed. We are we're using FigJam to draw everything, everything. <laughs> Literally, like uh, even if we need to buy a subscription for a tool, there's a process for that. But we're not doing it in a way that we want to become a boring bureaucratic organization. We are doing it with our team members just to map everything that you're doing right now. Because, you know, when, when you need to repeat certain processes, people were always like, oh, where did I put this? Where can I find that? And we kept on losing, wasting our time in these repetitive things. And now we are working towards, I won't say that we came there yet. We're not there yet. But we're working towards having um more structure and um, documentation that will just help us to be faster and 
we really want to say that it's it's never complete. It will never be complete, and it will will always adapt and change. Uh, I think that is the difference between like the small companies and agencies. They have the freedom to always adapt and change their operating model and and, uh, especially to adapt them to the needs of their employees because at the end you cannot deliver anything if your employees are not happy if they have to do stuff uh, over and over again and if there's the structure is lacking if uh, there are no rules that they need to follow uh, they'll probably leave because there will be a lot of misunderstandings in this way we secure that both the clients are happy and our employees are happy. Nice. So far it's nice. going that well. So far it's going well. That's great. Yeah, it's interesting with processes because it'll be like a process uh, has a half-life. There's this book, The Half-Life of Facts, that that was really interesting. And there's certain processes that have shorter half-lives than others. It depends on how quickly something gets updated or whatever. Um, but it's a, it's a neat process and it makes the business more, you know, more stable, more sellable, just a a great move. How are you all learning right now? Is this something that you have read a lot of books on this problem that you're solving or what are you learning about right now to help the agency grow? Um, I would say like the the number one thing that I'm currently learning is stress management. (laughs) I think that is also key component um, uh, because I think a lot of stress can come down from the CEO to to everyone else mm. in the company and stress is pretty contagious um, so as the company is growing so growing it, that, that my stress is growing uh, with it as well so I'm currently trying to practice um, I'm reading uh, the daily stoic um, by by Ryan Hol- uh, holiday uh, amazing book that um, is just teaching you how to practice this um, really normal way of looking at things in life and how to overcome your problems and just keep your inner uh, calm. And um, I mean, those kind of concepts repeat from, uh, from let's say, Greek philosophy and Stoicism all the way to... Um, Asian, Far East, uh, Buddhist, you know, like meditation and uh, mindfulness. A lot of those concepts are very interconnected. So currently I'm really focusing on that because and I'm just talking about practical stuff, you know, how I handle a rough situation with a client, how I handle a rough situation within the team. Uh, so this is something that I'm mostly focused on because uh, I think that um, it it could have gone much worse if I haven't focused on that. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, being a member of the Serbian startup community, I had the opportunity to work with a lot of really, really successful people that built amazing companies or worked for amazing companies. And a lot of those people uh, I can call my friends. So I think that also sharing that kind of personal experience, going to events, uh, meetups, uh, conferences, uh, but especially if you have close friends that have gone through the similar experience, I think those kind of talks that I had with uh, some of those amazing people have given me more knowledge and skills than any book that I could have read. That makes sense. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I want to go back to your stress thing. You mentioned a couple of things, but what are the general things that increase your stress? Um, I would say time zones. <laughs> <laughs> because we work predominantly with the, uh, with the clients from the United States, Canada, um, in, in those time zones, and we're in European time zones. So we have around, uh, depending whether it's east uh, or coast or central, Time we have uh, six to eight hours time difference, which means that you know our day is slowly finishing as your day is currently starting. So you know just when the time is to unwind and you know relax, this is when the clients start calling in, and this mm. is usually when there are some issues. You know you have a higher load, especially now since we're providing hosting services, you have higher load on 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 the on the servers. Uh, issues rise <laughs> just at those moments. So now we're like considering uh, having some people work in, in uh, different shifts. But overall, I mean, I think it's still pretty manageable that we kind of have, um, we start a bit later around 10 uh, or 11 a.m. And then we finish our day around 6 or 7 p.m. Really try to like have this separation, not have any calls after that. I know a lot of outsourced destinations such as uh, Philippines, India, Pakistan, a lot of people are working really like in completely different shift, you know, change the yeah. day for the night, uh, which I think is terrible for mental health mm. and definitely something that we will never consider doing. But so far, I think we have, we are very happy and proud of uh, our clients that have that full understanding. And then they know that we have this overlap of, couple of hours per day, three or four hours that we can be at disposal. And then a lot of asynchronized communication uh, outside of those hours. So I think the, especially when I started getting used to, when we started getting the first clients from uh, from across the ocean and seeing that time difference and, you know, you had dinner plans, you have to cancel dinner plans because oh, man. you have an yeah. important call. Um, and you cannot schedule it for earlier. You can only schedule it for a bit later, which could yeah. be 11 p.m. And that really uh, ruins your personal uh, personal life. But I think that we somehow um, managed to set some boundaries as well with the clients and we gain their trust well enough so they respect our working hours and they know when we're av available, of course, if there are some emergencies, they have a number they can call at any moment. But overall, I think uh, by solving that thing for an agency working in Europe with predominantly U.S. market, I think that is, um, for me, it was the, the greatest source of stress uh, in, in, in the last couple, uh, in this year, I would say, maybe 2021, 2022. But I could see sure, that. There are other there are other issues. Um, we are not immune to um, the talent wars, especially yeah. here. Serbia is a very small country of uh, six to seven million people. Um, we have very very highly educated uh, talent uh, that speaks great English, which is amazing for us. Uh, up until recently, the Serbian talent was very affordable. But uh, as with everything, the prices went up. A lot of uh, yeah. big foreign companies um, have moved to Serbia, opened their development centers. 
here mm. and have huge budgets. So it's uh, for us kind of very hard to match, you know, the budgets of Microsoft or uh, Ubisoft, um, you know, yeah. big names such as such as those that, that just open their development centers here. Um, so you can we can really see that um, we'll we'll struggle with it in the future. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But on the other hand, I think that uh, we are one of the rare uh, agencies, especially in this part of the world, that started thinking about hiring people globally. And we currently have uh, two people uh, working uh, for us in Lebanon, which is uh, for us really um, a cool thing because Lebanon is in a very uh, bad economic situation right now. Yeah. Um, And in this way, we're helping those highly talented people to have a steady, secure source of income in, in, in the time of crisis. So we're doing something good for them as well. And at the same time, we are getting really the highest quality talent at, um, that that we could hardly find uh, in in our country or in the region uh, at those price ranges. So uh, I think uh, having you know team that is more global and not just local uh, brings a lot of diversity. Um, a lot of different points of view and just makes us a better company. I think that we started seeing some things in a different way when we started hiring people outside of Serbia. So it's really, um, I think, uh, a really good thing that COVID actually uh, enabled the hybrid work model. I mean, we started working uh, remotely even before the COVID. So we were actually, it was weird for us to move into an office. Yeah, that's, I I have actually worked remotely. Even when the office was 12 minutes from my house, I didn't go in very often because I found that the team did better without me. They just made better decisions. And they, if I'm there, they might ask me my opinion. And I would say, well, I don't know. You know you're closer to it. You can figure it out. But if I'm not there. They just don't ask me much stuff. And it was, it was really helpful. Well, so with the, you guys have had a lot of experience. You've had a lot of different uh, growth challenges and a lot of opportunities come up. What kind of advice would you give to a new entrepreneur or even an existing agency that's considering a partnership? Because I think that's been an area of expertise that you all have developed specifically. Well, as I mentioned, I think that uh, having that kind of trust and uh, really uh, uh, being compatible with with that other person or more than one person uh, is key. Uh, you, you have to have some sort of a trial period. You need before you you know decide whether this person will be a good partner for my company, can you have a few independent projects together? Just see how you guys are thinking, how you're operating because, once the company is founded, once the names are on, on some papers, it's going to be harder to change it later on. So yeah. what I always suggest, do what we did. Um, I hope nobody from the Serbian tax authorities is listening <laughs> to this. But no, seriously, like we were um, operating unofficially for nearly two years because we were still unsure whether uh, we will 
like found a company. We just like had several projects as, as individuals, but we considered ourselves, we already branded ourselves as a company, even yeah. though we didn't have the legal entity. And we worked like this for two years. And then after those two years, we figured out, hey, this is going well. Let's now form the the uh, legal entity, you know, sign all the documents, open a bank account. Yeah. And uh, it was this is how we actually managed to to do it. I, I, now I'm not um, recommending anyone to spend two years testing their potential partners, but I think you can learn a lot just going through a project that lasts a couple of uh, months, whether it's a website, whether it's a marketing campaign, uh, copywriting uh, project, see how you guys operate and try to have a partner that will bring in some new skills that you don't have. I think that is also really crucial to have that kind of compatibility. Uh, if you don't have a lot of uh, experience in you know, business development, you're a very good copywriter, you're a very good developer, uh, marketing person, but you don't have that business sense, you don't know how to close a deal or um, how to send invoices, then find someone who has that kind of experience to you know, like help you set up the operations. Or if you want to build websites and you're just a developer, find a designer that can help you design much better websites. So try to find yeah. a partner that is complementing your skills and your skill set and really helping you to deliver value, but also to help you create the business that you want to run. At the end, yeah. I think a lot of people, we were like this at the beginning. Uh, we always think about clients. Clients have their own priorities. And then you put your client's priorities on top of yours. Mm -hmm. You end up working for clients. And you, know, you have a company, but de facto, you're just working for someone else. And you have to, like, realize that you are the one building your company. You are the one setting the rules. You are the one who is supposed to set the boundaries. And, you know, this is why we're entrepreneurs. We want to to, to create the, the job that we want to enjoy. So uh, always uh, try to kind of set things as they are. This is also really important when choosing a partner. Do you have the same vision? Do you want to have that kind of, are you, working towards building that kind of a workplace that you will enjoy in a couple of years time in 10 years or if you're looking to exit are you working together are you aligned what your end goal is no that makes total sense well george this has been really interesting i think that your structure was fascinating it was fun to learn something about headless commerce e-commerce as well if people want to get in touch with forga what or you personally what are the best contact means I think LinkedIn as uh, I think LinkedIn is the only uh, social network that I actively use. So yeah. you can always hit me uh, hit me up on LinkedIn or uh, shoot me an email. Um, I guess you can share uh, my details uh, to 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 your audience. Great. Well, George, this has been great to have you on the show. Thanks for making the commute and uh, staying late. I know it's afternoon your time, but appreciate you coming. It was my pleasure and really appreciate your invitation. And I'm uh, really looking forward to staying in touch with you and maybe have another uh, episode when uh, when our team is over 50 people. That strong. would be super fun. It would be super fun. And to anybody listening, yeah, if, if you say, hey, I'm uh, at a point in my agency where I am feeling a little stuck, I need something to mix things up, I get it. 
we've been there before. We grew our agency from $0 to $3 million and had a partnership change in the middle, great partner, but things went different ways and had to figure out how we could remove the owner from the process and get the agency to be an agency that runs itself. So if you're looking for help with that, go to agencyhacker.io and uh, talk a little bit about some of the programs we have set up to assist other agency owners do the hard things that we banged our head against the wall doing and are trying to simplify for everyone else. So again, this is Lance Johnson, Agency Hacker Coach. Thanks for listening.